Well, good morning, Bedrock. How's everyone doing? All right, it's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited to continue in our series on uh, deconstruction and how we can do that well and what that looks like for us. Sorry, I got to slide this forward so I got some room. But uh, this morning, we are going to be talking about something I think is so, so, so beautiful. Have you ever experienced something in your life uh, that you thought you would never get used to it, but then you did? And you kind of like lost its wonder and its awe in your life. I, I know like for me, it's like when you get that new phone, it's like this thing is incredible. And a week later, you're like, I'm ready for a new one, right? Like when's the next October coming at Apple? Let's get a new one. Or you get that new car and you're like, it smells new. It's incredible. It's awesome. And then like six months later, you're like, I, I could look at a new car, right? Like, uh, you know, it's kind of lost its awe and its wonder. And so what happens for so many of us is, we tend to get used to things. In fact, a long time ago, Kelsey and I uh, went to Virginia and we went to school and we did all of these things. And Kelsey and I were both born right here in Sarasota, right actually at Sarasota Memorial Hospital. And if you guys don't know this about us, Kelsey and I actually have the same birthday. It's just two years apart. And so we grew up here in Sarasota. And how many of you all know, if you've moved into Sarasota, you're like, I moved to paradise. Like this place is incredible. And there's beaches and the, the shops and the food. It gets, it's so amazing. Well, Kelsey and I, because we grew up here, this place was just kind of normal to Kelsey and I. Like it was just like, oh yeah, we got a beach and we got all this stuff. But the awe and wonder of where we lived had kind of worn off. And what we realized later when we came back to plant bedrock and do all these things, we realized like actually Sarasota is really an incredible place to live. It's so beautiful. There's beaches, like the people are great. Like we, we really want to be here. And so what I realized is, is because I grew up around Sarasota and I was around all of these things, I kind of lost my amazement of it. It was just a normal place to us. And this can happen to us so many times when we're trying to figure things out or, or we're, trying to, we're just used to someone or something being around, we lose wonder. And so I think John has a question for us today, and I'm going to present it to you this morning, is have you lost your wonder of God? Right? Some of us can get so used to God being around and that we grew up in church and we did all of these things and we kind of... Like God's just normal to us, right? It's just like, that's part of my life. And I mean, I know all these amazing stories and all this stuff, but I'm just kind of used to it. Or maybe you're in a season of doubt and questioning and, and the world seems so chaotic right now that it's kind of put a haze over your life where you, you don't quite recognize the wonder and the beauty of God in your life anymore. And John is going to talk to us today and, and to others as, as he looks at this group of people and he's going to say, hey, while you're in the questioning, while you're trying to figure out your life, don't lose your wonder and awe of who God is. Like, stay in love with Jesus. Don't, don't miss that. Like, ask your questions, have your doubts, do all of those things. But in anything, don't lose your, your amazement for who God is. And John is going to focus in on one specific aspect of who God is that he can't get over. And this morning, I, I want us to feel the same. I want us to like look at the word of God and look at the scriptures together and go, you know what? Like God is amazing and he loves me and he loves people and he loves the people that I don't love right now. And he, he loves people on the left right, and the right. He loves everybody. And so I'm amazed by that. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to jump into first John chapter three, 
as we, as we look at what John is going to say. And as I was studying this week, I came across, actually, it's in the foreword of one of C.S. Lewis's books. And this is kind of my hope for us, too. Not that, that we love fairy tales, but that we are in wonder and awe of who God is. And this is what Lewis wrote to a young lady. He said this, but someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. That somewhere along the way of this lady's life, she lost wonder. And this is in the foreword to Narnia. And Lewis is writing this and saying, I hope that one day you're able to see the beauty beyond all the analytical stuff and all this stuff. Like you're able to see the beauty of what's being said here. And what if we could say the same for us in this room today? I hope that you see the beauty and the majesty of our Lord today. And so I'm going to actually pray uh, as we jump in this morning. I think we just need to settle this moment and be together as we honor God through the preaching and teaching of his word. So would you join me in praying, God, we love you. And so, Lord, I ask that you show all of your majesty and your glory in this place today. Lord, that we, through the preaching and teaching and hearing and receiving of your word and your truth, would transform us today. And that today... We would fall in love with you for the first time. Or God, you would renew our love for you today. And that we would be in amazement of who you are. And so Lord, work in our lives, in our minds, and in our hearts today. May these words be yours and not mine. And would you bless this morning as we come together. God, we love you. In Christ's name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, amen is a term of agreement. It means sometimes truly or for sure. This isn't in my notes. I'm just giving you something. But amen is when we say amen, when we all close that way, we're agreeing with what was said. We're saying, let it be so. Let, let what was just prayed, let that happen. We're into that. And so when you say amen, you're saying, let everything I just said, I'm in on that. All right, let's let it happen. And so if you have a Bible with you, uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you don't, we have free Bibles for you out in the back. And I would really encourage you to go get one. I like, like holding the Bible. But if not, the words are on the screen for you, or I'm sure you have it on your device. But it is a gift to you today if you need a Bible. So let's see what God has inspired John to say here today. Verse 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Everyone say lavished. This is eloquent, beautiful, visceral language that, that John is bringing forward. And this is what he says, that we should be called children of God. Exclamation point. Like, he's excited. Like, I don't know. I read that wrong, kind of, right? Like, he's like, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that, that is what we are. Like, don't forget that we belong to him. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. This is referring back to the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw Jesus in glory. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure, he's saying this, the love of God has an effect on us in the way that we live our life. But this word, in this uh, moment, this adjective of how great or in what manner, actually every time it's used in the Bible, it's only used seven times, it implies astonishment, admiration, awe, wonder, and amazement. Every time that those words are used, when, so when John says this, see what great love the Father's lavished on us, he says, 
This is incredible. Like, are you guys grasping the beauty of the creator of the universe has lavished so much love on us as his creation that he's now adopted us as sons and daughters of the most high God. And John says like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I can't get over this. Like this kind of love that we've experienced is foreign. In fact, the language here indicates like the love that, that John has received and the believers in Christ have received is foreign to humanity. We don't, we don't know this kind of love. Like it is so far beyond human that it is like something from a foreign land. And John says, look, I can't get over this. Like this amazes me. But what is really interesting, John does this sometimes. He puts, he like builds little sandwiches of truth. He says, man, Can you guys believe that the God of the universe has lavished so much love on us that he would call us children of God? Isn't this incredible? Like I'm in awe of it. I I, I can't get over this. And that is what we are. But look at what he says. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John's hitting on something. Isn't it incredible that God loves us so much that he lavishes love on us? This is amazing. And man, don't fret when the world doesn't recognize that. Here's what John's going to say, because when we get into a deconstruction kind of mode, we can tend to lose our wonder and awe of who God is. It's like a haze over this moment. We we were wearing, they're not rose-colored glasses, they're smoke-colored glasses, right? Like, we cannot see him because all these questions, all these things of what is going on. And John is like, I know that you guys are in this moment, but don't lose your amazement for who God is. And I don't know about you, but like there tends to be this need for us. And some of the reason why we begin to deconstruct is because we feel this need to fit into the world rather than to fit in with God. I mean, does anybody in this room ever feel that way? Like, man, I got to change some of my theology. I got to change some of my ideas. I got I to gotta like kind of ignore parts of the Bible because it doesn't quite jive with the current culture. And so, man, I, I need to change me so that I can fit into the culture. And what that means to me is if you're trying to fit in with the culture rather than fit in with God, you have more amazement of the culture than you do the creator of the universe. And this is what John is essentially saying in the very first three verses of the chapter. It's our first point today. Don't trade the love of God for the likes of others. Don't trade the love of God for you in this world for the likes of others. Because what John is going to do and to help us understand is like when we come together in this life, if what we have awe and wonder of and what we have amazement of is we tend to serve. And here's what John's going to tell us later. The world is going to promise you everything and under deliver every single time. That's exactly what sin does. Sin is a promise. It's exactly what happened in the garden, right? Hey, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. And they're like, that sounds legit. Okay, I don't want to miss out. Literally, the garden is the first place FOMO shows up. Right? Like, I don't want want to miss out on this. But what did it do? It didn't give them everything. It actually stole everything from Adam and Eve. And it will do the same to you and I. And John's going to say, hey, we have a tendency to fall into things that are actually going to crush us when we lose amazement for God and we have wonder of the world. And so John's going to say, hey, guys, I know that you guys are going through this moment together. But do not trade the love of God for the likes of the world. It's never going to pay off for you. 
And some of us in this room may be in those moments in our life right now. We may be feeling like in this tension to fit in or to, to concede or do all of these things. And John's like, look, I'm just here to tell you it doesn't pay off. It doesn't pay off because even when the greatest love of the world came into the world, they did not recognize it. So don't be surprised when the world doesn't recognize you. Don't be surprised when this life is hard and things are going on and you feel like you don't know what's going to happen. And so John has this moment of amazement in who God is. And he says, look, I I don't want you guys to get over it. So I have a little bit of a video to show you and to show us what kind of how amazing this is. So check out the screen. Here's what that is here to illustrate. That is just our galaxy. Like the galaxy that we sit in is 100,000 light years apart. And the God who spoke that all into existence loves you, knows your name, has counted the hairs on your head, has sent Jesus into this world to die for you. The God who, according to Colossians, is upholding everything in all of creation by his sheer presence. But that's nothing compared to the size of the known universe. Can anyone in this room just guess quickly, if you weren't here last night, you can't answer if you were here last night, how large the known universe is? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm glad you guys, thanks for participating. Um, the, what? That's absolutely wrong, Cody. Um, <clears throat> thanks for taking that leap of faith. We just shot you down. All right. I'll tell you, the observable universe is 93 billion light years apart. Now, there's no way to comprehend that. It's incomprehensible. And yet God is bigger than it all. God is present at every single point of space and time in the universe right now. And he has been eternally present. And this is what John says. Isn't it amazing that God has poured out his love so lavishly on us that we would be called children of God. 
John's going, I, I can't get over this. Like the God who spoke the entire universe into existence and is sustaining it in his presence is known by you and knows you so well that he counts the hairs on your head. Are you over the love of God? Because it's amazing is what John says. This is astonishing that the creator of the universe would send his son to come to a creation who had rebelled against him. The pinnacle of creation. And rebelled and sent his son, his presence, to die for that creation. John goes, I can't get over this. This is astonishing. This is unbelievable. This is incomprehensible. And so what John is going to say, while you ask all of your questions, do not lose your love and amazement of Jesus. And that what, that's what happens to so many of us in this world Because there's this reality when we walk into things that are not good for us and we know it, we are choosing to trade the glory and the love of God for something that is going to consume us and take us over. And John's going to go, that that is a trade that is insane. Don't do that. The ROI on that investment, all it does is lose. Do not do this. Ask your questions, but stay in love with Jesus. Figure out what you're building and what you're doing. Figure that out, but don't lose amazement for who God is. The God who created all things loves you and knows you. And if you're in this room today, and we're going to get to this a little bit later, but I want to say it now, and you feel like there's no way the God of the universe could love me. You were created. You are here on purpose. You are not a mistake, and the God of the universe knows you and knows everything that has happened in your life, and his love can be set upon you when we receive it by faith. John goes, don't don't get over this because what happens to us is for many of us, when we go into this moment of deconstruction and questioning and all these things, we begin to lose our amazement for who God is. And so what we end up doing is we start playing games because what we know is like, well, I don't know if I'm in, in love and amazement with Jesus right now, but man, I sure do know how to behave when I'm around church. This is the second point of the message is like, John's going to say, don't, don't play church. Don't like you, if you're in and you're amazed by who Jesus is, and and I know that the world doesn't recognize this. And I know that all of these things are going on. Don't, don't play church though. Like, let's be honest. Let's be real about this. Look at what the Bible says, starting in verse four of chapter three, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him, in him sins continually. No one who sins continually has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. The one who, just as he is righteous, the one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who has been born of God practices sin because his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin continually. I want to make something very clear here. That doesn't mean that as believers, we never sin. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle with things and we don't go through things and we aren't, aren't 
dealing with things. And we don't need to, to have bad theology that, man, like I, I have practiced sin in my life, so I must have lost my salvation. Salvation was never a work of your own. And whatever God does, he does perfectly. So if you are saved, you are saved by him and you're perfectly saved. Don't, don't amount your sin and make it greater than the love of God and the purpose of God. And so what happens here is he says, like, understand the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil's been sinning from the beginning. He's saying, what house are you identifying yourself with? And he says this, and they cannot sin continually because he has been born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Remember last week we talked about that litmus test? How you live tells me what you believe. How you live tells me where you're coming from. And then he says this, anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother and sister. What's going on in in this uh, moment in history is that people are deconstructing, and because they're deconstructing, they've, they've lost a little bit of their wonder and awe for who God is. So they're pursuing things that are not good for them. They are leaving. They, are, they have become bitter and angry, and they have begun to actually go after the believers. And then John says this, look, it's super practical, man. If you, don't, if you love God and don't love your brother and sister, he says those things don't equate in Christ. He says it's incomprehensible that a believer and a child of God would act differently. What house are you acting like you're living in? Are you playing church? John's going to say, like, look, here's the reality of all of this. Are you amazed by God? And and have you been transformed by God? Because if you have, if you have been, there's going to be some real practical things in your life that, that are going to show up in the way that you love God and love people. And if you're in this moment of your life where you're not living like that, there's two options. You either don't know God or you're actively choosing to forget him. There's a part of you that knows God, but you've kind of shut your heart off. You've hardened your heart to what is going on and you have become rebellious and you can show up here and do all the right things and go out there and live all the wrong things. Stop playing church. Stop playing church, John says. Like, just be in. And don't try to have your feet in both worlds and don't try to like appease people and be around people and do all these things. You can love them, you can serve them, you can invite them, but man, you don't have to change yourself and who you are as a child of God to be liked by them. Look, let me just tell you something, guys. If anybody that you are around in your life makes you feel like I gotta turn Jesus down in my life so I'll be liked by them, they're not for you. They're not for you. That doesn't mean you have to hate them. John says, no, you love them. But man, if you got to change your life and who you love, and you gotta, you got to veil Jesus in your life to be around certain people, John's going to say, I don't know if those are the people. Those are the people you need to serve. Those are the people you need to love. But those are not the people that you need to be most intimate with in your life. You need to love and serve them and be a part of it. But man, don't change and don't lose your awe of Jesus. He's incredible. He's amazing. He has wonder. And some of us, I think, in this moment are in this life where we're kind of like just trying to walk both sides of the line. And I think, honestly, if we're honest about the church in America, we're struggling with this right now. 
We're saying like, how do you, how do you stand for God and love God and, but love people in the process? And let me get guys like sin is messy. This is all messy. And if you want just a clear cut black and white answer, that is so easy to get, like you're not going to get sin is jacked up and it's jacked up everything. And so, yes, we're trying to figure out, but don't lose your soul in the process of trying to figure it out. Let's let's rather stand on the side of truth and figure out how to love through that rather than let's change the truth and I'll love over here. That's not loving. Any person who leads another person in a lie is a deceiver. They don't love you. They love them. Right? I mean, that's like how many scammers call you and promise you the world? I mean, I've gotten the letter from the prince. You know, you all got that letter on your email. I'm like, how did he get my email? There's only one Blake Harkup in the world. For real. That's the, I'm the it. I've been chosen. And then I read it. And he's like, if you send me this money, I will return it 10 times more. And I'm like, this sounds like a deal. <laughs> and I was so poor. I was like, I don't have $100, so bro. I'm sorry. You're going to stay in jail. My bad. You picked the wrong person. I'm too poor. I was too poor to be scammed. That's a problem. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? You're so poor, you can't be scammed. They're like, if you just give me a nickel, you're like, I don't got nothing. Like, I can't scam you. Not because you're smart. You're so poor. Sometimes being poor is a good thing, right? But here's, here's what John is saying. All right, let me, let's, let's break this down. Does anyone remember that movie, Kindergarten Cop? Who is your father and what does he do? And those kids are freaked out. I don't know. I don't know what my dad does. I'm in kindergarten. What if I could tell who your dad was by the way that you lived? Oh, yeah, he's a child of the king. She's not. She's living like that. Mm -mm. Now, we want to love her. We want to serve her. We want to introduce her to Jesus by the way that we live. But, man, I don't know if she belongs to the king. So John's basically saying, who's your daddy? And what does he do? Because, man, it's going to show up in your life. Don't play church. Let's be real. Let's, let's go through this. Let's find our way through this life and, and let's really walk into this. He says, like, look, let's not play church. Because when we play church and the love of God is not truly residing in us and, and informing our decisions, let me just tell you something. We become really critical really fast of people. We do. We, we, we become judgmental. And that's exactly what John's going to say here is like, look, don't play church and don't become so judgmental. Like, we all got stuff in our life, guys. We all have stuff in our life. Me too. And our job is not to be judge and jury of what goes on in people's life. Our job is to call each other up, not just out. We're to call each other up to this higher standard. We're to live in a way that the love of God has so changed our life that we're not here to make ourselves feel better by judging everybody else. We're here to love and serve everybody else. Look at what the Bible says here, 1 John, as, as he continues on in these verses in verse 11. Or he says, like, look, we have this problem and, and we, we need to live like God. And then he says this, verse 11, for this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And then he's going to bring in some Old Testament here. He's going to go like, you guys know about these guys, Cain and Abel, right? 
Don't be like Cain, he's going to say. Don't be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. He said he acted like his daddy did. He acted like the one who he was following did. And look at what he says. He says, and why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous, right? Do not be surprised, my, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Don't trade the love of God for the likes of others. Don't, don't be surprised if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. John's saying, look, don't, don't become so judgmental. Don't, don't hate people. Don't judge people. Don't do all these things because what you show is that the love of God is not operating in your life right now. It's not. It's not operating in your life. And he uses this analogy of Cain and, and Abel and, and what is going on. Because why, why does Cain kill Abel? If you're familiar with the story in Genesis, Cain and Abel go to bring offerings to God. It's actually Cain's idea. Cain says to Abel, yo, we should bring an offering to God. We should do this. Abel's like, all right, bro, sounds good. Let's do it. So Cain is more of a um, agricultural, like growing crops, and, and Abel was a shepherd. And so Cain goes and gets all of this fruit and vegetables and grain and brings that as an offering to the Lord. And the Bible says specifically that Abel brings the first of his flock, the best of his flock, and, and he brings it to the Lord. And the Bible says that God is pleased in Abel's offering and not in Cain's. And Cain gets a little upset, right? Because Cain's operating in a world of not, I'm operating through the love of God. I'm operating through the love of me. And man, now you just did better than me. And so what arises when someone does better than you? Jealousy. And I'll just tell you, a really great friend of jealousy is hatred. And let me just tell you the one that helps all of that, judgmentalism. Judgmentalism is like, yeah, you should assume and presume the reason why someone acts the way that they do. And if they did better than you, you should be jealous of it. And because you're jealous of it, you hate them. And this is what the Bible says, hatred leads to murder. But how many of us like, like know like what was going on in Cain's life is jealousy and judgmentalism because Cain gets so upset and goes, man, why did you do better than me? I'm better than you. And what it is, is it's not this love for God. It's really a love for self. And what John is going to say is like, hey, man, don't let your love for you cloud your judgment that you miss the love of God and become a judgmental, jealous, hateful, murdering person. You're like, I haven't murdered anybody. Good. Don't do that. That's good. But the Bible says that if we hate in our heart, we've murdered. Why? Because Jesus is just as interested, if not more interested in the motivation of an action than the action itself. This is why you can do the right thing with wrong intentions and it's still not good. Right? Like it's like the Boy Scout. He's got to get a merit badge for helping somebody. So he sees a little old lady carrying her groceries across the street. And because he wants to earn the merit badge, he goes and helps the lady. Now, did he do that out of the goodness of his heart or did he do it because he wants a badge? It was still good. He helped the lady. 
but it wasn't pure. And so what John is going to say is like, look, are you so in love with God and amazed by God that it has shifted your life? And then that shifting in your life it has resulted in, in carrying out the way that you live. And so what he's going to say is, look, we don't play church. We are the church. When we're really amazed by Jesus and who God is, we become the church. We, we, we start to walk as God has called the church to walk. And if not, we've got a problem. And what begins to creep in is, I don't know if you've ever been like this. How does jealousy and judgmentalism fit in with this moment? Here's the deal. Have you ever been just upset at someone else's relationship with God? And I know we're playing church right now. No one's going to say yes, but I have been. I'm like, man, why don't I have those experiences? Why isn't my prayer life like that? I go, why did God bless him? We always say this on the golf course, favor ain't fair. You ever been there? You like hit a ball into the trees, it hits a tree, goes right next to the hole. Favor ain't fair. It's just what happens. But it can be jealousy. It can be angry. It can be, you can have hatred. You, you, you're questioning everything and they seem so confident. And man, you're fake. There's no way that this is real. The love of God really doesn't reside in you. I hate you. I'm out of here. You ever been that way? You walk into church and if like one more person smiles at me and says it's a good day, I'm over. I'm out of here. I'm sick of it. This is what's happening. Like this is super practical. Right? Are you, are you operating as Cain or Abel? Abel was so in love with God that Abel goes, I'm bringing my best. And I'm not really worried about what Cain brings. I'm bringing what I got. I'm so in love with God, I'll give him my best. Are you giving God your best? Are you busy judging others and making excuses as to why you can't? John's gonna say like, look, this love is so amazing. It's so awe-inspiring that it changes us. It changes us. It changes the way that we live. It, It changes what is important to us in this life. And so like, yeah, bring your best and go make money and do all of these things. But he's like, look, you've got to figure out like your primary operating moment as a believer in Jesus Christ is operating through the love of God, not through the love of self. And so what happens is, is, is here's what really happened in this moment. Sometimes when people are living judgmental or, or, or kind of an anger-filled life because they're in this deconstruction process is when you live the right way, it's convicting to others and they get mad at you. Look, guys, you don't even have to say anything. You just live the right way. You live like you're in love with Jesus. You live like Jesus is the one who is leading and walking you through your life. And let me just tell you, other people look at that and they go, I'm sick of that. That's fake, that's whatever, it's all of these things. Because judges assign motives, right? Like, oh, I know why you're doing that. You're not really whatever. And, and, and we look at, at all of these people, and, th- and this is where it shows up. I actually experienced this a couple months ago, whatever. Um, I, I don't have a Mercedes. By the way, if you have one, cool, great cars, awesome, love it. But a friend of mine was selling a Mercedes, and I said, hey, I don't drive around town a lot can you go ahead and drive the Mercedes around with the for sale sign so that we can try to get this thing sold? I was like, yeah, man, love you. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Give me that car, right? (laughs) So I drive it around town. And you know what I hear? I I drove it here to church. And you know what I heard the next two weeks? Someone, not in our church, 
said, oh, look at Pastor Blake. He's driving a Mercedes. I wonder what he did to get that. You know what I did? I had a great friend and I was helping my friend. And you, because you're operating out of jealousy and judgment, assign motives as to why I'm driving a Mercedes with a for sale sign on it. (laughs) (laughs) And you were too busy judging me and loving you than just being in awe of God. And why couldn't the conversation be like, that's awesome for Pastor Blake if that's his car. That's great. That's incredible. Man, God's really blessed him. Because, man, like what I, I was like, and, and you guys have probably all experienced this. This isn't a sob, sad story for me. It's whatever. I, I, don't, I don't care. And so I just move on. I'm going to drive. I'm going to do donuts in that Mercedes. And then, <laughs> woo, woo, right? But here's what we need to understand is sometimes living the right way will cause people to hate you because they are convicted and have jealousy. And you know what? Like in this room, guys, have all the stuff you want, but you got to have it. It can't have you. Have it. That's fine. Own it. I'm all for it. But man, make sure you have it and it doesn't have you because here's what I found. The moment we lose our awe and our, our love for God, we, we begin to judge people, and now we start to collect stuff to serve us, to worship ourselves. But man, I know so many incredible people. There's even people in this room that I know that are incredible believers of Jesus, and they have some of the coolest stuff ever, but they have their stuff, and their stuff doesn't have them. And they don't walk around judging and worrying and all of these things because they're operating in the love of God. But here is what John is going to say as we continue on. It's going to say this. Don't forget how to show love. So, you know, don't, don't walk into this world where you are, you are so in love with God and in awe of God. Don't lose that because, man, what happens to us is we can become miserable and we can play church and we can begin to judge other people and we can do all of these things. And so here's what John's going to say. Don't forget how to love. Because the love of God, which you receive here, is meant to go out there. We're a conduit, Right? We receive the love of God, and now we love like God loves. As much as we can, look at what the Bible says, starting in verse 16. This is how we know what love is. John says, you want to know what love is? I'll tell you. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is what John's going to say. Like, ask all your questions. Like, it's okay. And in this room, ask all your questions. Have your doubts. Look, I don't think God is scared of your doubts. Because if you're really seeking the truth, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you're seeking the truth, I believe you'll find him. So have them, man. And ask your questions. And it's okay, absolutely, to ask questions. God's not offended by questions. But the reality is, is for you and I, is John's going to say, like, look, the awe and the love of God now we get to the end of this, middle of this chapter. It says, it's going to affect the way that you love others. Don't forget how to love. Don't forget who you love. And what happens for so many of us is, is this. All of the arguments in the world 
cannot get away with and not dismiss the love of God. John's going to say that. Look, you can have all of these questions, all of these thoughts, all of these things, but none of them can get rid of the love of God for you. And so what should be the foundation for us in our spiritual life, in our spiritual faith? That we love God and that God loves us. And the love that he lavishes on us as children of God is utterly amazing. And John's saying, don't ever get over that. Because if you get over that, you lose the foundation to the house. And he says, let's build from there. That God loves us. And we'll see later next week in the book of John, John's going to say, and love is perfect. And perfect love casts out fear. So let's not be afraid of this. Let's, Let's lean into this. Let's walk into this. But that, that you and I would, would, in this moment, no matter what argument you have, we would find a firm foundation in the love of Christ. That that would so transform us and so move us in our life that we would continue to follow him. But that same love that God had for us, this is what John says, he showed it by laying down his life for you and I. And if you're in the sermon, like, man, this can be definitely a convicting sermon. It's just like while I'm writing it, I'm like, sorry, Lord, I need to, okay, I'm working through this. Okay, God, I, I, have I lost wonder and awe for you in these areas of my life? Okay, please refine me. Please help me in this moment. But I want you all in this room to really understand how much God loves you and loves us in this room. Because the reality is, is, and I don't want you to hear it from me. I'm just going to, can we just read God's words together about how much he loves you? If you have a Bible, open up to the book of Romans. We're going to start in Romans 3.23. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to give you these verses. And then at the top of your Bible or in your notes or somewhere, I'll give you the next verse. And I want you to write the next verse in that part of the Bible. Because here's the deal. I not only want you to know how much God loves you, I want you to be able to show others from God's word how much he loves them. And so we're going to take a little trip together. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody is in the same boat. In fact, that word, um, all have sinned, is, is this meaning or this idea that we fall short, we miss the mark. So if like there's a bullseye in life, we've all Shot off of the target. Like we, we, we're all that way. And here's what Paul is saying. Sin is an equal opportunist. It affects everybody. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all in a bit of a moment. Look at what the Bible says, though, in Romans 6, 23. First part of Romans 6, 23 says this. For the wages of sin is death. This is what Paul's going to say to the Romans. Look, you need to understand something. Sin earns something in your life. Sin produces something in your life. A wage is something you're paid after you do work. And so he goes, you want to know the the payment that you get in life when sin has done its work in you? It's death. Physical, spiritual, relational, and emotional death. That's what it produces. Like you want to know what what sin produces in your life and you can't escape it. It's what it does. It's the tree that grows from the seed that was planted in your life. And he says the only way to get rid of that seed and get rid of that tree is Jesus comes and does some work in your heart and in your life and you're made from an old creation to a new one. But there's good news. 
Because if you notice, it says this, for the wages of sin is death, not a period, but a comma. Comma. Something else coming. But. Everyone say but. I say, hey, thank God for buts. Again, in the Bible, thank God for buts, because here's what it says. 623, second half of the verse. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, so sin earns death, Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life, sin earns death. And we've all got a problem because we've all sinned. And so what is sin producing in you now? Death. He says, but man, this is incredible. There's nothing you need to do to earn the love of God. You just need to receive it. And it's shown in this way that, that we have this gracious gift in eternal life. So right at the top of your page or wherever you need to, Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's what he's saying. While sin was actively producing death in your life, Jesus showed up. He did not show up when you were good. He did not show up when you were living right. He showed up when you weren't. And we just said it, favor ain't fair. And God shows up in your life to save you while you're sinning, favor ain't fair. It doesn't need to be. It's by the choice of the Father. And he loves you even when you're messing up, even in the midst of all of it. Jesus knew all of it when he hung on that tree. He knew it. And God says, you want to know how much I love you? I'll show you. I'll die for you. I'll give up my life for you. And the Bible says that even when we are sinning, we are enemies of God. We are against him. He says, even then, he doesn't just die for his friends. He dies for his enemies. Why? So that he can make his enemies sons and daughters and not just friends. So we're going to continue here. So God demonstrates his own love for us towards us while we were still sinners, jacked up, messed up, doing our own thing, living our own life, being judgmental, hating, all of these things. Christ died for us in the midst of our mess. At your worst moment in life is when Jesus showed up and died for you. In the worst of it, we got the best. And then it goes to Romans 10, 9. And this is the beauty of it. So here's, here's what the Romans has done for us. By the way, this is called the Romans road. That's why we're on a journey. We've all sinned and messed up. Sin produces something so bad in us, it's called death. And even while we were sinning and producing death in our own life, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 now says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, guarantee. Not you might be saved, you could be saved, let's hope so saved. You will be saved. You will be rescued. What is he saying? We just received the gift. God's gracious gift to you and I was that Jesus died for us while we were sinning. Here's what else that means. If you're sinning now, Jesus is still showing up in your life. He's not done with you. He's not over you. That's not the kind of love that he has. That's not the way that he operates. He's not done with you. But we need to do the same thing is respond in love to Christ through faith. Romans 10, 13 is the final part of the journey. 
Look at what this says as we, we begin to look at Romans. Romans 10, 13. I'm going to grab it here. Romans 10, 13 says this. <clears throat> For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's what that means for you and I. You're not special. You're not God's exemption to grace. You are not unique in this world that the love of God cannot find you. That the love of God is not for you. And that the love of God cannot be received by faith in this place. This is how we love and this is how much we are loved. Because here's the deal, man. We can look at the universe. We can look at all of the things in the universe and go, man, that, that is crazy. It's a 93 billion light years apart. I can't fathom that. But you know what I can do in this room? I can remember all the times I messed up. I can remember how undeserving I was for so much of my life to receive the love of God. I know that. And man, God met me at my worst moments and rescued me and saved me and will continue to do so because he loves me. And I'm not ever going to get over that. And so you may have all of your questions in this room. Have your questions. Never get over the love of God. And you go, I can't fathom a 93 billion light year universe. I don't understand that. But I understand how... My life didn't go so great, and Jesus met me in my mess, and I don't want to get over that. Do not lose your awe and wonder of who God is. It changes your life. And if you're in this room, and this is the first time that the veil has been lifted, and you're seeing Christ and God for who he is, and not all of the arguments, and not all of the things, but you need to not respond to all of the theological differences and things that need to be right. You need to respond to the love of Jesus. That's it. That's where we start because that's the foundation. The love of God and our love for him is the foundation of our faith. And so here's the question. Do you love Jesus or has he become just an old trick to you? Are you just used to it at this point in your life? And maybe you're in this room and you, you, you have received Christ and you remember that awe and that wonder and you remember all of these things then Christ is calling you to remember again. To find the foundation of your faith, which is the love of God in your life. And to never get over that. To never get over that. Look, the answer and the question in heaven is never going to be a theology exam. It's going to be, did you love me? Did you know me? Yes, Lord. Welcome home. And we will get all the answers to all of those questions, I'm sure, when we get there. Because we won't be thinking about it, we'll be experiencing it. So the question for us today is, have you lost your wonder for God? And maybe God has opened your eyes to the beauty of who he is again. And we respond in faith. We trust and believe. And that should change the way that we live. And so would you join me? Cody's going to come up and we're going to worship and sing and praise the Lord together. And we don't always do this, but we're going to do this today because it's appropriate. So with just every head bowed, eyes closed, why do we do that? So this is just between you and the Lord. We don't need to be distracted about the room. We can just be in this moment together. I want you just to take a moment to speak to God. 
to apologize, to celebrate, to rejoice, to remember, to receive, whatever it is that God is leading you to do right now. And if you're in this room and, and you've never known Jesus, like that Romans road is foreign to you, it is true for you that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Christ is Lord and has been raised from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins, you can be saved today. And so if you're in this room and you're like, you know what? It's time for me to receive Christ as Savior. I've never done this, but this, it's, I'm in. Then just for just a second, just say that. I'm in. I trust that Jesus died for me and he rose again to overcome my sin and death. And I, I received that by faith today. Thank you, God. And I'm going to turn from this old life and I'm running towards you. And if you're in this room and this is the first time in your life, you just, you prayed those words in your heart and in your mind and you meant it in this moment. And you say, I'm in on Jesus. I don't know the rest, but I'm in on Jesus for the very first time in my life. Would you just shoot up your hand right now? No one looking around. I see hands in the room. People are being ushered into the family of God as we pray together right now. Church, with your eyes bowed and your head closed, can we just celebrate God who just brought people into the kingdom today? Come on. Amen. I would love as, as a pastor to be the first to tell you, if you receive Christ as Lord and Savior today, welcome home and welcome to the family. But if you're in this room and you're like, yeah, I believed in Jesus a long time ago, but man, my life, I'm, I don't know what's going on and I've lost my awe and my wonder and I don't know what to do and I don't know all of these things. The same is true for you. Receive the love of God by faith today. And so if you say, Pastor Blake, I'm just gonna raise my hand because I, I need some help. I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray over me. I, I'm reaching out to God in this moment. Would you just shoot up your hand all over the room? You're not alone. All over the room, you're not alone. Let me tell you guys something to have your hands up. You're still in the family and God's not done with you and he loves you and heaven is rejoicing right now. And so Lord, we herald you as king, as a good, good savior and Lord over our lives and today, for those who confessed and believed for the first time, we ask an anointing and a blessing over their life. They would, they would be secure in the decision that they received by faith today and that this would be the foundation of their life now and that your love so transformed them, Lord, I pray that they never grow tired of it. And Lord, I pray for every other person in this room who raised their hand or who did it, that maybe they just reached out in their heart to you today an anointing and a blessing of remembrance today over them of peace that they may know and they may not know the way back yet but they know the one who can lead the way and so God guide them restore them anoint them for the task of repentance today that they may come towards you and they may walk with you all the days of their life and that your love would be the foundation of their life and they would be in amazement of who you are and they don't have to stop try sinning they just need to love you more and God we love you we thank you in this place we herald you as king and lord and savior today may we praise you in this moment we love you in Christ's name and everyone said